this is a manufacturing community of people. You will not see that in other industries. Somebody is not going to take work that they currently have and say, you know what, I have somebody else who's here with us who needs some help and I'm gonna help this person. I've been doing this for 17 years. I, I have not seen that in any other industry. This is the Women of American Manufacturing podcast, where we highlight female leaders and influencers who are revolutionizing the industry. In every episode, we explore each guest's journey into manufacturing, their vision for the future of American manufacturing, and the innovation, creativity, and communication that they bring to the industry. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Women of American Manufacturing podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Athanasiu, and excited to welcome a new guest to the show today, Katie Van Amersfoort. So hello, Katie. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for joining. I'm psyched to chat today. Yeah, just dive right in. So how are you doing? It's a good day. It's a nice day here in Southern California. A little warm, but hey, we're used to it. It's, it's August, and like I said... Southern California, so nice and hot. Not rubbing it in or anything. I mean, today is not bad in Boston, but we did just have like a tropical storm earlier this week, so it was miserable. Oh, I'm sure. That <laughs> oh, yeah, Henry. Henry came through. Yeah. That did not be fun yeah. for all of you. No, we got a ton of rain, a lot of wind, but it wasn't as bad as it was supposed to be, so that was good. But yeah, SoCal is where one of our colleagues works, and I never ask him about the weather because I don't really care to know. Yeah, it's kind of pointless. And we have a really nice pool <laughs> outside, so we, we enjoy that all the time. I can't complain. Oh, So hopefully that's what you'll be doing after we record this awesome episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just to kick things off, Katie, um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into all the good fun questions. Sure. I have my own association management business. It's called CNR Management. And for the past six years, I have worked with various chapters of the National Tooling and Machining Association. Uh, some of those include the Los Angeles chapter, San Francisco, Rocky Mountain, Houston, and North Texas. And in addition to NTMA, you also manage some other associations through your company, correct? I do. I work for a distribution association of Southern California, a women business owners association, a women in law association here in Southern California. I also work with a financial planning association, and I do some other projects for some therapy and other women business owners associations in the state of California as well. So when do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I sleep a lot, actually, but I'm a super early bird. And like one of probably my one of the best things I would say in, in owning your own business is a that I get to make my own schedule. But I do work a lot. But I really just like love what I do. So coming to work every day for me is never like I am waking up so sad that I have to go to work. I wake up every day at 5 a.m. and I'm like energized, pumped. What am I doing today? Who are we helping today? How are we advancing somebody's industry today? And I just work with such really amazing people that they're, like I said, there's never a day that I wake up and I hate going to work. I genuinely love what I do. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I have to say, like, it sounds so genuine when you say it. I think other people, like, force that a little bit because it's almost like a (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like if I tell myself I love my job, maybe I will someday. But I can just feel it from you. And obviously, you wouldn't take on so many different associations and and work to help them if you didn't truly feel passionate about their missions and how you're helping them. Um, So... You have a pretty cool story in terms of how you got to manage so many of these NTMA chapters, and I thought it would be awesome to highlight what that journey was, um, because it's it's not common that one person is managing more than one NTMA chapter. Yeah, uh, it, it is an interesting journey for sure. So for, I want to say it was back in 2014, um, I actually had a previous employer that I worked for. And we submitted an RFP to take on the day-to-day association management for LANTMA. And we were super stoked to have that client. We started with them full on in 2015. And so I've worked with them for obviously many years now. And you ask, but now you own your own business. So how did that happen? So a few years ago, I did decide to go out on my own. And I had had some pretty deep relationships, I would say, with some of the clients that I had worked for previously. I've been in nonprofit management for the past, it's going on 17 years now. So I had grown actually at the past company that I was with as well. Um, I started there as the receptionist and grew to the vice president. So over those 13 years, I, I think I kind of, I grew, but I also kind of, I would say, focused on my craft, which was really working with these associations and nonprofits and doing the day-to-day work for them. So when I had decided that it was time for me to branch out, go out on my own, and I really wanted to just make some other life changes, um, I started my own business. I had zero clients. I walked out of there and didn't have anybody. And then a few weeks later, and actually a few months later, a few people came knocking on my door and said, hey, gosh, Katie, we we really miss you. We had a really nice relationship with you. Would you consider working with us? And at that point, I mean, I have two little kids. I'm a single mom. I am like, I got to feed these little mouths. Yes, I will work with you. Let's figure it out. But it was a nice, it was a nice shoe in and a nice fit. And um, I got to work with people that I had already been working with and had had a really nice relationship with. So uh, that was LANTMA. Shortly after that, Houston, uh, the leadership at Houston asked, hey, why don't, would you like to come and, you know, do some work for us too? And I said, yes, absolutely. Shortly after that, Rocky Mountain, I had a really, I had already had a relationship with Mike Hirsch, so which many in the NTMA family know. Just wonderful man, wonderful company, still a great company. They're a member of RMTMA still. Mike had called me and said, hey, I know you've done work on this Southwest Regional Conference when we all kind of came together as Southwest chapters to put on an event. And, you know, we really, we really enjoyed working with you. We really enjoyed the relationship and, you know, you did a great job. Would you consider taking on Rocky Mountain? And I thought, well, heck yeah. I mean, I really, you know, had already had a relationship with many people on their board. I knew the work that had to be done to kind of be successful. So sure enough, started working with that Colorado chapter and have built some really amazing relationships with people there. After that, I want to say it was San Francisco also had come along um, and worked with them too. And it was a shoe in They were in California. I can get a Southwest flight from Southern California up to Northern California for, you know, 79 bucks. And I can go up and see their members. So we started doing work for them as well. And then 
it was about a year, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, um, the North Texas folks also came and said, well, hey, Katie, we know you're working with some of the other chapters. Would you like to work with us too? And I thought, well, yeah, absolutely. So it, it was a nice referral network between all of them and there's synergy. It's not the same exact day to day, but there is synergy amongst all the chapters and being able to take some of the work and some of the knowledge that I get in Rocky Mountain where we're having like a fall conference and kind of take those ideas and take those concepts and say, well, how can I make this also work in North Texas? Because it's been super successful here. Some things are a nice crossover and some things are just really chapter specific. So it doesn't all work all the time, but I certainly think it lends expertise to be able to cross pollinate and cross over on some of these chapters. Yeah, absolutely. So how much more time would you estimate it's going to be before you're managing all, I mean, how many chapters are there? No, 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 <laughs> it's like no. 40. That's not in, no, no, <laughs> no, no. The other chapters just have fantastic management with other people. St. Louis, she is just fantastic there. Tammy Adams up on the East Coast, she's just fantastic there. And there are other just amazing assets as chapter executives in NTMA. So I'm very happy with the opportunities that I've had. And honestly, those people make me better as well. We lean on each other. We talk to each other. We share opportunities. We share challenges. So it's a really great group of people that I get to work with amongst all the other chapter executives as well. Yeah. And you, you mentioned some names that we now know pretty well at Paperless Parts. We have the pleasure of getting to know a lot of the chapter leaders through our affinity partnership with national, you know, NTMA. And so we were at the virtual chapter leadership summit way back in what was that February? I know you were there, right? And got to meet virtually many of them in like that Sims world. And since then, we've just become way more involved with each of the individual chapters, which has been so fun and really starting to understand the landscape of this association um, at a level that I think it's hard to, especially when you can't be in person. But now that we have been able to be in person, but um, really understanding, like you said, how there's synergy, there's a lot of overlap and there's cross-pollination in terms of ideas and programs they run, but each one is really unique. Um, so tell me a little bit about like, you're seeing so much uniqueness, you're meeting so many different types of shops, shop owners, and, and you know people behind the scenes. Like, what do you love about supporting these folks through the association work? So obviously I work with many other organizations besides NTMA um, chapters and they're they're great, but the people in this industry are like no other. And what I have seen amongst my chapters and the camaraderie and the we're all in this together mentality is different than what you will see in other industries. So I'll give you a few examples. In particular, one of the chapters, we had a member come to leadership. So it was me and the president and say, hey, it's been a hard year for us. And while I know a lot of other people are, you know, business is booming, I'm almost at the point where I'm going to have to furlough a few employees. Like we need work, like, and we can use some expertise and we could use some insight as to like, Hey, what can we do to, you know, get some, get some new business in here. And so the president and I said, well, let's at least just to send a note out to the membership and ask for, Hey, who has overflow work? Or who's backlogged so bad that they can take some of those jobs and give them to somebody else. So we crafted an email and between the two of us got it out to about like 40 shops that were in the area. I think within an hour, she got back to us and said, 
I already had three shops contact me with overflow work. One other is sending me some other quotes that they would like to hand off work to. And I had one other shop owner just call and kind of commiserate with me, which sometimes that's what you what you want too, right? Um, you're looking for solutions, but I think you're also looking for somebody who understands your challenges and that type of thing too. So I think right there, it, it really proved like this is a manufacturing community of people. You will not see that in other industries. Somebody is not going to take work that they currently have and say, you know what? I have somebody else who's here with us who needs some help and I'm going to help this person. I've been doing this for 17 years. I, I have not seen that in any other industry. Uh, another really great example, one of the chapters here in California, as you all know who are listening to this, California OSHA is just insane. There are regulations and rules that you have to abide by that other people in other parts of the country do not understand. Cal OSHA is an animal all in its own here. Uh, I had one member at a board meeting who talked about his experience. He had OSHA show up at his door and they needed to do a site inspection and they wanted to go through all of these records and ask all these questions. And it was a three hour ordeal. And it his ordeal with OSHA was, I think, over three hours. But we sat there and in this board meeting and talked about this issue for three hours. Of course, on my side, I'm like, okay, let's wrap it up, folks. Like this, this is taking a little, a little longer. But it was such valuable content for the other people and owners and managers that were there. It was really, it was really valuable to have the conversation. A week later, that same OSHA person showed up at another member's business who was at that meeting, picked up the phone, called the other member and said, so-and-so is here. What should I do? Talked to him for about 15 minutes, walked through the whole thing. His experience was not three hours. His experience was an hour because he had had all these nuts and bolts that this previous member had already gone through. Again, information sharing amongst competitors, amongst competitive entities. I do not see that. You will not see that in other places and in other industries. Um, Nobody's going to, you know, give, I think, that amount of time to somebody who could ultimately take business from them tomorrow. Another example is just, I would say information sharing. Uh, again, we're in a, I understand a, a competitive business, you know, model amongst all these manufacturers and owners who are doing work for all the same people. But the amount of information that they really share, I think it just really helps them so much. So I, I always tell people like, or people ask me, well, what's the value of being here? Why should I be a member? There's an investment for sure. There's, you've got to pay dues. But you will be surrounded by a community of people who want you to be as successful as they are. So that has been just one of, I think, the most astounding differences in this industry compared to other other ones that I've worked for over the years. It's super inspiring and it's just cool, I think, you know, to be able to say it, but also then compare it to all these other industries that you are doing something similar with. And to be able to definitively say, I'm not seeing this elsewhere, I think speaks volumes to the manufacturing industry and in particular, you know, job shops, because there is this sense of camaraderie. And that's one of the values you get. And it's tough to quantify, right? When you guys are out there trying to pitch potential members on joining NTMA, it's tough to quantify that and like convince someone that that's a huge piece of the value. 
they're not going to necessarily believe it until they see it or they hear a member who can personally attest to that happening because it just it sounds a little crazy. Like you said, it's like people who are competing with each other helping each other. <laughs> that's just not like that's not the typical way of, of people do business in this country. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And those are two examples. I, I mean, I could give you just uh, so many others as well, especially in Texas, as you know, it's no secret that, you know, Texas was hurt by the oil prices that happened last year and everything. So really, I would even say in that state in particular, the help that manufacturers have given each other between North Texas and Houston and everywhere in between, um, I find really inspiring as well. Absolutely. And I, I'm sure a large piece of why these chapters that you're managing, you know, are conducting themselves in that way is is because of your influence on them. Like you are helping them feel like a community and a team and, and you're running programs and, and sessions and giving them opportunities to come together and learn from each other and see the value in playing nice, right? And actually being supportive as players in in the manufacturing industry. So you you mentioned this a few minutes ago, Katie, you said back when you first started in the association management space, before you started your company, you know, you really tried to hone your craft. So like, how do you describe your craft? Because you're, you're doing it right. Like cool things are happening in your chapters. And I'm just so curious to hear how you describe what that craft is being an association manager. I think it's relationships and trust And the fact that I do have members every day who come to me and say like, well, you have a big network of people around you and I'm looking for information about insurance or quoting or or so-and-so has now said this person uh, uses this company and that it's boosted their business in this capacity. So I think definitely uh, the network that I've built in this particular industry certainly helps that. I think the craft itself in association management is communication. And I would go back to the relationships with the board. So if, if, and I've had this because I've just dealt with it. If you don't have a good relationship, I think with the board and the board doesn't trust you that you have the, the number one thing that you're focused on every single day is member value. How can we get members more value? And if you're not responsive to people for their needs, So like members email me all the time. If I didn't respond to them for like two days, guess what? They're going to Google their answer in like 25 minutes. So I think the craft is is relationships with the board. The expansion, I guess, I've seen in being able to kind of now have a bigger network of people to rely on. Because I'll even say if I get questions in L.A., Sometimes they pertain to people in Colorado and vice versa. So being able to expand upon not just California, but reaching out to other people in the industries. And the other thing is being able to take these associations and take these nonprofits and put them in perspective to our our board leaders or our chapter leaders and have them think that this is a business. Every single day we have to work on this business, which is this association. Yeah, we're a nonprofit. But if we have no members, we're not here. <laughs> There's no reason for us to be here. So I think ensuring that the board understands that the number one reason that all of us are here is to ensure our members have value and see value and have a return on their investment it is super important. So I think being able to 
understand that and being able to have the experience that I have with associations at this point certainly helps me in coming to the board and saying, hey, here's what we need to do to be successful in this particular realm. And the board members are typically folks who who are in the shops, right? And so they have experience managing a job shop, you know, not necessarily, you know, a, a much larger entity with like way more people that could be, you know, benefiting from it and ser- being serviced by it. Um, that's a terrible way to word that. Um, but what I'm trying to get to is how do you help them really elevate their thinking beyond just the individual shop to like this greater good that they're helping to provide through the chapter? So good question. I say this a lot. And I have to remind them a lot, but once they get it, they get it. Take your personal hat off and put your association hat on because what is best for this association may not necessarily be the best thing for your business, but that's not why you're here. You're here for this industry. You're here for something that's bigger than yourself. And so whatever your personal interests are, have to stay at the door. Whatever our collective interests are and where we're going to be in five years. And even though that and that's hard, actually, for some, I think, people in this realm, because you can do that in your business and you can make those decisions, especially if you're the owner. Yeah, you have other people who are there, but ultimately it's your decision coming into a collaborative group like that and having to make a decision collectively that's going to be what's our three year vision and what's our five year vision. I think that's hard for some people. But once you start to do that and you can work together and think about something that's bigger than I think yourself, that's where you actually have some really fantastic new ideas and you really see people working in a way that they probably wouldn't have worked individually at their own businesses. And that's where you just start to sit back and be like, ah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, because then they're working for the collective good. And it's not just an individual. And I actually tell, I I have to remind everybody of this, like, not often, I should say, but I do remind everybody of this. You'll get out of this association or this investment what you put into it. So actually, paperless parts is a perfect example of this. And that's because they've come in and they've given us and members, so chapter executives and the businesses, tools, seminars, resources that will help their business. Very, actually, I haven't had this one time with paperless parts. Do you come in and say, who is going to purchase our product? That's why we're here. Purchase our product, purchase our software. It's going to make you better. I don't think that has never been the case one time. So paperless parts has come in and said, how are we, how can we serve these members, and how can we help these people be better businesses? And from that, you will see your business grow. Does it happen overnight? No, I think it's an organic process. But the people that are successful, the manufacturers and the other associate members that we have that are involved in this association understand that it's service before self and that what you put into this is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree more. And thank you for saying that. You know, we definitely understand that you can't sell people hard in this industry. I mean, really in any industry, you know, it's not what it's about, you know, and you have to give people time to build trust and and see any service, whether it's, you know, a a chapter membership 
membership in that chapter you're selling or a product like paperless parts, you have to give them a chance to really get to know who you are. They want to know the people behind it. They want to know, you know, is this doing something for other people? You know, what other value are you trying to provide before they're even going to look at what what is actually on the table? And I think that's good. Like you're talking about people's livelihoods, right? They're They're so invested in their manufacturing organization. And, you know, one wrong decision can have big ripple effects. So like we don't take that lightly. And I mean, NTMA is such a respected association in this industry. People go to you guys for help, for insight, like a business is drowning and they turned to you and the board of that chapter to say, hey, listen, I need help. And you help them like you you help that business survive. So we don't take our membership and, and connections or involvement with the association lightly. And that's why we take, you know, that service approach. I guess it's working. <laughs> no, it is. And I would say, I think myself and the other chapter executives that are in that are in this realm, we can sniff those people out so fast. And let me tell you, they're not going to be your partner and they'll be here for a year and then they'll go. And that's, and that's fine. That happens. That has happened. I don't want to say more often than not, but that has happened. So I, I, one of the things I do stress when, when even with a new member, you know, like why I always ask them, well, why are you here? Like, what are you looking to gain from this? And immediately if they say it's to get new business, uh, I, I will never be rude to them, but I know how this conversation and I know how this membership's going to go. If it's here to contribute, if it's here to learn about what, you know, services and products are available to make their business better, if it's here so they can understand and get more involved in workforce development, like NTMA has all those resources. If you are here and you immediately tell me you are here to get new clients, I just... I can already see the writing on the wall. So I think there's a service that goes along with the companies that, you know, are the sticky ones, like the paperless parts of the world. That's just like icky. No one wants to hear that. No one wants to deal with that, you know? Like, okay, so I'll tell you a quick story. We're just having so much fun with with NTMA because, like you said, these chapter execs, some many of whom have been doing this for for years, and you know their parents did it before them. It's so cool to see that generational sharing. Um, when we've spent time at events, like we get to know people, and all the people in this industry are great. And um, Sally out in St. Louis, I hope she listens to this episode. She's getting a lot of shout outs. (laughs) Two of our colleagues were out at their annual golf tournament a few months ago, and it was really their first time being with that chapter. And they just obviously had a blast. You know, it's a golf tournament. Who doesn't have fun there? But, you know, it was paperless parts for kind of first entree into that that smaller community within the larger NTMA community. And they met Sally and they met a bunch of the leaders, past and present board members. Um, and now they invited us to come back for an event in September. They're doing a, a shop tour at one of their bigger member shops, having a big cookout in the parking lot, music, all that fun stuff. And then a sporting clays the next day. So I was like, yes, we're, we want to help. We want to be there. Um, and Sally told me that one of the guys we sent last time can only come back if he's willing to wear a sombrero and serve the margaritas to people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, so that that's the type of thing. It's just like, not only do we, we like just enjoy that because it's fun, but it like humanizes yeah. us in, in the members' eyes. Like, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like, yes, we are selling a software we believe can transform your business. It is serious. But at the same time, like, 
we just want to get out there and get to know you people and, and like be a member of the community. And um, I love that, that she's willing to just help us be fun about it. It's just, it's just. That is now part of his job description. Sombrero wearing eight to five, please. All the time. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I just love all you guys. So what I'd love to pivot to is, is sort of around like, I know another piece of what you've helped a lot of your chapters with and your chapter members with is um, workforce. You know, that is a huge struggle for shops right now. And it has been for a while, but it feels like it's coming to a head because of COVID, because, you know, people can sit on their couch and make more money than they might if they were to, you know, apply for a machinist job. So what are you doing with your chapters to help provide resources around that? Like they just seem few and far between. So Rocky Mountain NTMA is act- has actually developed its own apprenticeship program. We have a fantastic board member who really took this by the by the reins and said, "All right, we are going to develop this." Um, it is literally being finalized by the state of Colorado as we are speaking now, and we are going to be rolling it out over the next few months, hopefully at our fall conference on October seventh. So there's another example of these people all coming together. If you can imagine what you have to put into the amount of time and hours to start an apprenticeship program to get the not only the members involved and on board, because there's all these stipulations that you have to abide by by the state to run an apprenticeship program, but then also work with some local schools to then coordinate those kids going into those apprenticeship programs. I mean, this is ultimately hundreds of hours that these volunteers have put in to creating this program. I mean, that's, that, that's unbelievable to me, so gratifying, and the fact that they, they know this is an issue. So if they don't take it into their own hands, nobody else is going to help them. So there's one really fantastic example, I would say, of them really saying, okay, we have a problem, and we need to come up with a solution. Let's try this. Let's do this. So Rocky Mountain, like I said, that'll be happening over the next few months. And as we get more information, I'll certainly share that with everybody. Another one is in in LA. We have the NTMA Training Center. It's actually being rebranded as the NTMA Machinist Career College. The chapter actually started that career college, previously called the Training Center, in the late 1950s. It has been around for ever. Um... And it is a seven-month machinist certificate program. So you can go there. You can get student aid. You can get FAFSA. I want to say it's $13,000 a year to get the certificate program and go and do this program. It is like a little hidden gem in Southern California. And so is it challenging to get people to work right now? Yes, it absolutely is, given the current state of the funds that are going out from the government to stay home. With that being said, another thing I would say is just in L.A., we are now trying to work, I think, closer with the training center to say, hey, okay, we're all facing these same challenges, just like Colorado is, just like Michigan is, just like, you know, the East Coast is. What are we going to do differently here? Danielle Skinner, who's the new president of the Machinist Career College, She has transformed this school over the past few years. She has worked closer with this board than we've ever had in the past. We had a relationship with the training center, but it's probably better than it ever has been. She has reached out to so many community programs, high schools. I want to say they're trying to work on some sort of program with a local community college that doesn't have a machining program to see if they can 
you know, there's synergy amongst the two so that um, I know some schools in Southern California, at the community college level have really great welding programs. In fact, there's one that's in Long Beach has a fantastic welding program, but they don't have a machinist program. So if there was a way to combine that welding program with this machinist program, I mean, that would be awesome for these manufacturers. That would just be fantastic. So I would say um, between those two boards, they have really taken it, I think, into their own hands and said, nobody's solving this for us. We have to do this ourselves. And what do we have to do? And it's it is organic, boots on the ground, knocking on doors. We are calling high schools. We are calling local community colleges and just saying, hi, I'm so-and-so. I own this business. We work with the Machinist Career College, and we need to expand this program. And we know that you currently don't offer it. What can we do to work together to make this happen and get these get more young people interested in manufacturing? I also think, and I'll, I'll give credit to NTMA here, you know, there's just this perception that manufacturing is still dirty. It's still grandpa's, you know, shop. It's still something that moms and dads are like, I don't mean, what do you mean? What are you doing in manufacturing? And then we get them in these shops on manufacturing day, or we get them to do tours. We get them in here to see, or, or now so many of our members have videos of their shops on their, you know, on their websites too. When we actually show a career counselor or a parent who has a a, a question or a hesitation about, uh, I don't know what this is, we show them it's robotics, it's engineering, it's, it's being able to grow in a career that you will basically be guaranteed a job for the rest of your life in this industry if you get into it. You can grow with so many different types of companies and make so many cool things. The things I hear about that our members are making, not only just medical device things, um, you know, transportation, automotive, tons of them work with SpaceX. You tell a kid, I tell my eight-year-old, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so's doing stuff with SpaceX. Oh, minds are blown. But people don't see that and there's still this perception that it's old and dirty and so I think on a workforce level, NTMA has really tried to change that perception with a few of the programs that they're doing and also with like emerging leaders trying to help develop, I think, the next uh, generation of people to, you know, work in these shops and be able to continue, you know, manufacturing. Because if we don't have more people come into this industry, these companies are going to go out of business. They need talent so badly and like I said, once you expose career counselors and you expose parents to what is happening in these shops, you can visibly see their reaction change to their kids actually going into a field like this. And then on top of the actual shop floor jobs that are available, think of the leadership possibilities. There are endless leadership possibilities in these. So, okay, get the seven-month you know, certificate at the Machinist Career College. And then, hey, maybe you want to go back to school and you want to get your bachelor's. Now you have a Machinist certificate, you have a bachelor's degree. Maybe you're looking at running the whole entire shop floor. Maybe you're looking at being in the C, you know, like the C-suite level at that point. So there's endless possibilities of working in manufacturing. No, I love it. And you're reminding me of someone um, that I talked to recently who she has a background in like, 
I'm forgetting the exact type of engineering. It was something I had never heard of before. And she was planning to go work eventually for like, you know, NASA. And just so happened that her aunt was a co-owner of a shop that this woman would sometimes help with when she was younger, going through college, whatever, because she could help with some of the engineering pieces. And the aunt passed away very suddenly, unfortunately. And so she stepped in to help kind of keep things running to a certain point never ever planned to be in a, you know a job it's a prototype shop um and has been there now for like 8 years and is running the place and loves it absolutely loves it and she was like never would have thought I'd be here you know at at one point in my life I would have completely poo-pooed it and and dismissed it and now like I can't imagine my life being any other way like I love what we do I love what we're building and she's not even 30 yet you know like she just like catapulted herself with that opportunity and the skill set that she had and then cultivated. So I completely agree. I mean, there's so much opportunity to be had. And I love that you brought up the parents piece. I hadn't thought so much about the the like high school counselors piece, but like uh, many of the guests on the podcast have talked about the fact that like the parents are who we need to actually be reaching because they're the ones that are going to set that perception in the household of what career paths they want their kids to explore or they're just they're going to kind of like steer them away from and if if that's the type of parent they are which i think a lot of parents you know do have that influence and want that influence over their kids because they think they know what's best right if you think manufacturing is dirty you're always going to try to keep your kid from going into it so there's a lot of marketing that needs to be done and i think i think NTMA is definitely doing a great job of that yeah, it's a big job. I mean, I think it's going to take a, a culmination of a lot of different entities coming together to make it work. But I mean, I would women in manufacturing, NAM, they're just a really terrific resources too. But I, I think that the work that's being done is helping to change that perception. But there is still a lot of there is still a lot of work ahead of us for sure. Agreed. That sounds like a sad note to end things on. So (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask one of my favorite questions, which is, you know, what does it mean to you, Katie, to be a woman, you know, impacting American manufacturing? It is so cool to see the things that these manufacturers make every single day. None of them are doing the exact same thing. It is everything from parts and pieces in a car to parts and pieces in the human body. The fact that I get to be a part of this in a very, very small way, because obviously I'm not running a shop every single day, means so much to me. This is like American manufacturing at its best. These people are keeping the world going, literally, in some capacities. They are doing that. So I, I think the fact that I get to work with unbelievably generous and super smart people in this industry every day just makes me better too. It makes me want to be better as well. So the little small impact that I have really, really means a lot to me. And the fact that these chapters trust me in doing the job that I do and cultivating the relationships that I've had, I don't think I could put into words what that means to me and my business personally. I love it. That's a much happier note to end the more serious portion of this podcast episode on. Um, But with that, let's transition into the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. All right, Katie, who is one famous person who you wish would work in manufacturing with you? Kim Kardashian. Why? 
Because the visibility that that woman has and that she could cultivate for this industry with one sentence would be transformational. I love and hate that that's true. (laughs) No, like, and really, she's actually a very smart business person. You can hate the facade and and hate what, what the Kardashians in general are all about, or you can love them. But the visibility that she has and that she could bring, she brings to any issue is actually transformational for whatever that issue is. So when are we getting her to say something about it? <laughs> I'll, work, I'll work on that. <laughs> my list. Katie's yeah. like, oh, I've only sent her 17 emails today. After this, uh, I'm yeah. going to send my 18th. <laughs> I know. Actually, I will say I listened to the Dax Shepard's Wife podcast and Kim Kardashian was on it. And really, you have to respect her business acumen and what she and her family have built is really kind of unbelievable over the last 20 years. So hate them all you want. But from a business perspective, hey, I'm not there. They're making way more money than I am. So you're doing something right. Come on. Chris Jenner is to thank for the majority of that. She is just like oh, a freaking powerhouse. Ge- sadly, genius mom. No, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so what's your favorite blog or podcast? Uh, three of my top podcasts that I listen to probably regularly are the Joe Rogan Experience. He's just, he's hilarious. And he actually has really informative guests, I think. On world, I love the people that he brings on that talk about world politics and world economies. I mean, he's actually has some fantastic guests. I really like Brene Brown. She just is like gets to you. Like there's just a, a sometimes a little heart wrenching thing, and I like that. Um, the vulnerability thing I think is really cool. Uh, and then Dave Ramsey, practical business advice. He has a really nice. It's called Entree Leadership Podcast. Um, and so I think that they give some really nice business advice, and his financial advice I think is pretty pretty spot on too. Well, that's one I haven't heard of. I'll have to check that out. Um, what's the last book you read? Okay, I listened to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. He narrates it. It's his biography. You no, it's you have to listen to it. If you love him, you will love this. I you laugh, you cry. When it ended, I was like, I'm playing this again. Like I'm listening to this all over again. <laughs> what's the last vacation you took? Uh, Havasu about a month ago, Lake Havasu with some friends. We went on the boat for the weekend. That sounds lovely. It was fun. So you've worked from home for a long time. And I, and I ask this question to people who have worked from home for longer than the pandemic. They're like, I would never have any good advice to give. I've been doing this forever. I'm like, then you're a pro at it. So don't give me that excuse. What is your work from home hack or secret? Dry shampoo. <laughs> Period. Like, end of story. I live on. <laughs> I live on dry shampoo. Um. So yeah, like I am not a. I shower every day. I promise, but I'm not a wash my hair every day. And sometimes I have really long hair, and it goes really flat. So it looks really oily and gross to my head some days. So when I need to have a little fluff, I have to use my bed head matte dry shampoo. And I've gone through twenty to find the perfect one, and I love it. And yes, that is my go-to work from home, look presentable on Zoom. I have, you know, otherwise I'm in my pajama pants and a nice shirt. You could definitely be a head model for a dry shampoo company because <laughs> your hair looks lovely right now. And I never would have, it looks like it was freshly blown out. And that's the, that's the whole like goal, right? 
<laughs> so nice <Yeah>. job. <laughs> um, what's your favorite food? Pasta. What kind? In any capacity. Like, no, I don't care. You just give it to me. If it's pasta, I will eat it and garlic bread. Like preference for white sauce, red sauce, meat, veggies. All any sauce, any pasta, I will Fair typically enough. not say no to. I love all of it. I probably, I would, Italian food in general, I will never say no to. I support that fully, fully. All right. Yeah. Last yeah. but not least, what is the number one reason why more women should work in manufacturing? Why should women not go work in manufacturing? This is the perfect industry to get into, to grow, to hone in on a skill set. To, I think, really feel like you'll contribute to something that's a little bit greater than you. And there's just so many opportunities for so many different places and positions that it's exponential growth in front of you. So I think that there would, there's no reason not to consider a job in manufacturing as your career path. I love it. It's 100% true, 110% true. And I, I just, we need to get that out there. So that's the whole point of this podcast. And I'm so glad you're championing that message for us, Katie. Um, so if anyone listening today wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, for them to reach you? Katie, which is spelled really weird. K-A-I-T-Y at L-A-N-T-M-A dot org. Perfect. And Katie, will you be at any of the upcoming NTMA events like Emerging Leaders or Engage? I am going to be at Engage for sure. I will not be able to make Emerging Leaders this year because little ones at home, but uh, definitely Engage. Really looking forward to getting back together in person with everybody. That is going to be a great conference. If you don't know what it is, visit NTMA.org and check it out. It's in old Alexandria, Virginia, which is an amazing city. So go there and, and connect with other manufacturing leaders. I heard someone recently talking about it and they said New Alexandria and I was like, are you are you making a joke or do you really think it's called <laughs> New Alexandria? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just a fun little anecdote there. Um, well, Katie, this was a blast. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing more about your story. The work you do is so important and we're, we're so, I'm grateful for it um, as a partner of NTMAs and then I know countless shops are grateful for the work you do to help strengthen this industry. So, Thanks again for being a guest on my podcast, and I look forward to finally meeting you in person at Engage. Ditto. Thank you for having me. This was such an honor. I really appreciate it. Pleasure was mine. All right, Katie, have a great rest of your day. All right, thanks. The Women of American Manufacturing podcast is brought to you by Paperless Parts. Paperless Parts empowers job shop and contract manufacturers to modernize and grow using the company's secure ITAR-compliant cloud-based estimating platform. The software streamlines manufacturers' existing workflows by combining business process automation tools and a proprietary geometric pricing engine to power configurable formulas that drive estimating consistency and accuracy. The platform integrates with ERP systems to level up front office business operations and customer communication and enables more efficient responses to RFQs for a variety of manufacturing processes, including sheet metal fabrication, CNC machining, and additive manufacturing. Over 1 million files have been uploaded and analyzed through the platform to support the estimating process for manufacturers providing components and assemblies for the aerospace and defense, medical, semiconductors, and industrials sectors. 
Privately funded by manufacturing industry experts, Paperless Parts was founded in 2017 and is headquartered in Boston. You can learn more at www.paperlessparts.com.